this episode, I have the pleasure of sitting down with a Joy Parrish who has her own podcast called This is Joy and Claire, formerly known as Girls Gone Wad. I wasn't sure exactly what Joy and I were going to talk about, but it was definitely a deep conversation about diet culture, body image, and honestly, all the work that we need to do in order to rise above this all. And I I think I can speak for Joy and myself um, saying that we're not fully out of it, but we are doing the work and we want to spread the word as well. So in true, here's the deal fashion. We start talking about the importance of therapy because Joy herself is a therapist, but then we talk about, you know, body image and why commenting on people's bodies, whether you think it's a positive thing or it's a not so positive thing, why it just doesn't need to be said. Uh, we talk about the 90s and body types in the 90s. <laughs> we talk about Jessica Simpson and friends and all kinds of fun things, but then also get some real talk from Joy talking about her recent diagnosis with Graves' disease and what that has meant for her and her perspective on her body. In this episode, you will be reminded to be a critical thinker when it comes to this because You are being inundated and you are being sold and you are being marketed all kinds of diets and fads and workout plans and you know what you're surrounded with. So you really have to be your very very best advocate. Analyze what it is that you are reading. Know who you're getting your information from. Are they trusted resources? Because at the end of the day, you have to take ownership of your life. Now, we also end with a great conversation on intuitive eating, and she recommends a wonderful podcast episode, um, the 10% Happier Podcast, when the guest was Evelyn Trouble. So sit back, you guys. Enjoy. And as always, please let me know if you have any follow-up comments. I've got links to everything um, that Joy mentions um, within the show notes. Have a great podcast. Here we go. All right, everyone. I am extremely honored today to have Joy Parrish on the show. So you may or may not know Joy. Joy has her own podcast with her friend Claire, and it's now called the Joy and Claire show. Is that correct? This is Joy and Claire. Yep. Yes, this is Joy and Claire, which you almost to- named it that. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> it used to be Girls Gone Wad. And before we dive into why that changed and, and all the things I want to talk about today, Joy, can you please introduce yourself to us? Because you don't just have a podcast. Like right. you have what I call a real job. Yeah. You're a therapist. If I'm okay. So tell us about who you are, what you do. Yeah. Hi. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, So I'm Joy Parrish. I have had a podcast for almost eight years now. Claire and I, Claire Cook is the other host and we've had this show. Well, we've had a version of the show that we run now for almost eight years. So we were kind of in the podcast realm before it it blew up before Serial is kind of how I benchmark that because I feel like when Serial hit the airwaves, podcast just blew out of the water. So we were kind of before that and we've been doing it for a really long time. And we started really as a CrossFit focused podcast. The reason we started it was was so much about filling a gap in the market. I was listening to a lot of podcasts and they were all male voices in the fitness space and I didn't hear a lot of female voices. And so Claire and I met <clears throat> at a CrossFit gym and we both just kind of hit it off. We had run, we both had blogs at the time. And we just out of the blue said, do you want to start a podcast? Not even knowing what that meant. And we started it. And eight years later, every single week we've recorded. 
it's kind of amazing to think that something like that has carried on that long. Um, so before the podcast life, I am a therapist. I've been working as a licensed professional counselor um, for about 20 years, which is so weird to say because it feels like I just graduated from grad school still. Uh, so I've been working as a licensed professional counselor with children, families, adults. Uh, I now work at Kaiser Permanente. I run a clinic of about 30 therapists. So right now I manage a team. I'm not doing as much clinical work, but I really enjoy the management side of it right now. So that's kind of what I do. I, I have two dogs. I volunteer for CCI, which is Canine Companions for Independence. And I raise service animals for um, Canine Companions. I have a service animal that just retired who worked with me in the therapy world. Uh, I have a husband and we just live at home right now in quarantine with our, with our animals. Life is good. Life is so good. Oh my gosh. You know, I'm obsessed with therapy. I obviously you are. Yeah. As I was catching up on episodes recently you said, Oh, I don't even know if it was that recently, but you're like, can we just all go to therapy, please? And that's what I say every episode. Mm-hmm. I have to bring up therapy every episode because I want to normalize it. Yeah. And it, it changed my life. And of course, you know that you are a therapist. Mm-hmm. But can we just all go find someone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I think I miss I misunderstand often and I assume that people know what therapy is and not everyone knows what therapy is. And so it's really important when I'm seeing a patient or when patients are coming into our clinic as I'm explaining what it is and what we do. And it's not sitting down on a couch and telling your whole life story. Sometimes it's just coming in to talk and talking to someone. Mm -hmm. And really when I notice that people have been not waiting too long, but I think there's a time when you probably should go to a therapist before you feel like your life is hitting the fan. Mm-hmm. And it's fine if you don't, but I've seen people come into my office who the second they sit down, start bawling because they've been just, just the, like sitting in the chair before I've even asked the question, I'm so excited you're here today. Let's, what do you want to talk about? And I think it's just that nature of sitting down and letting someone hear your story with no judgments and unconditional. So people like carrying that for so long Mm -hmm. is pretty powerful to witness. And I always joked with my patients that I wish I had a sign on the wall that said, it's okay to cry because the second they'd start crying, they'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Because there's just something very healing about sitting down and starting to share something that you didn't realize that it was impacting you so much. So um, normalizing therapy, I feel like it has come a long way in the past 20 years. You know, when I was in grad school, we were encouraged to do our own therapy. And even at the time I had never been in therapy. I even had a weird feeling about going to therapy myself, which sounds insane when you're in grad school to be a therapist. Mm -hmm. So when I finally went to therapy, I was just like, this is life change. It literally changed my life. So it's Mm -hmm. not to say that you have to go to therapy and commit to two years. You could go to a therapist for a visit or two and just kind of get that experience. And, you know, I think just not overthinking it and not expecting that if you dip your toe in, you're just never going to be okay. I think that's another Thing people fear is if they go to a therapist, they're going to open the floodgates and they're never going to be able to stop crying. And I guarantee you it's going to be okay. <laughs> but there's such a, a great normalization. I think with the emerging of so many podcasts that normalize mental health, mm-hmm. um, Beautiful Anonymous is one of my favorite podcasts and he has really helped the world of going to therapy. Um, he's a comedian, but he talks so much about his mental health issues. I think a lot of the top podcasts, I think if you, you know, do a search of mental health podcasts, there's a lot of really good ones out there that have normalized and helped that. Um, 
so I think we're, we've come a long way with the apps and making it more accessible, better help, uh, talk space, things like that, that just kind of make it not as scary to perhaps get on an app and just talk to a therapist virtually. That may be less scary. So I, I agree. I think it's obviously I'm in the field. I see how much it helps people. You don't have to have an extreme, severe, acute mental health diagnosis to get help. So true. Yeah. And I'll say from experience, I didn't have any big issues. I was just like, I want to figure out what, what this is all about. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to find someone that I totally jived with right off the bat. And I know that's, that's not always the case, mm-hmm. but um, that allows me to be totally my authentic weird self when I'm speaking with her and I can say things to her that I, there's zero, I'm not worried about any sort of judgment. I can just let it all out. And she just listens yeah. and asks more questions. Yeah. And ask more questions. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's a good point, And it's very true that the first therapist you meet may not be a good fit. Mm-hmm. The, the main thing we always say in, as therapists, we always talk about the most important aspect of therapy is that you like your therapist. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a good relationship with your therapist and by relationship, I mean, you trust them. You feel like they're, they're listening to you. They get you. Um, It's not to say that you shouldn't feel uncomfortable in therapy because you should at times Mm -hmm. and that's okay, but you should feel like you look forward to going to talking to your therapist in a way that's, I like to talk to them. It might be difficult topics, Mm -hmm. but I trust them. I feel, feel heard. I feel like we're making progress. So if you don't feel like it's the right fit, you can always look for another one mm-hmm. and you know, you will know, trust your gut. Yeah. It's, it's different from just the, I don't like what they're forcing me to talk, not forcing, but I don't like the, you know, the difficult things I'm having to talk about is different from, I just don't think this person gets me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be fair. Cause you will totally. get uncomfortable. <laughs> You'll get uncomfortable. Yeah. Therapy is not the most comfortable thing all the time. It's worth it though. Totally. So the real reason I wanted to speak to Joy, I've actually wanted to talk to you for a while, um, was because she recently posted something and it was such synchronous timing. I was going about my day, I was working out and someone made a comment. They hadn't seen me in a couple months on my appearance, which this person meant it to be a compliment, but it came out as what, this is what it said. Whoa your back looks amazing. Your shoulders look so big. And that to me, that's like a trigger for me. I have muscles. Yeah. (laughs) You have muscles. Um, big, the big, Mm -hmm. the big. Mm -hmm. And she meant it as you look like you've been making progress. I took it as, Oh my gosh, I'm too big. And before that, literally that day, that whole, Oh, I have felt really great in my skin. Mm -hmm. I heard that comment and I was like, Oh, it took me back. Mm. And I was like, am I too big? Should I stop lifting weights? Like, what do other people see? That one comment, which was intended to be a compliment, just didn't Could sit you? well with me. Sure. And I had to do my thing that I do and like understand, you know, all the things that we do. Right. But it, it, it took me back. And in a similar time frame, someone had said something to you, Joy. What exactly did someone say to you and why did it impact you? Mm. Sure. And I want to get back to the whole big thing, because I want to talk a little bit about how big shouldn't be seen as a bad thing, especially as we're kind of, we should be more advanced, I think, as humanity to say, for all of us, not just you, Kylie, but just for all of us to say, 
how come we associate big with bad? And I think that just does such a disservice to all body sizes that if you live in a bigger body that all of a sudden that's a bad thing. Uh-huh. Um, so I think that's really important that we start opening that discussion as well. Anyway. Okay. So, so my in- issue and for listeners, uh, you, you obviously don't see me. If you go to jo- uh, joy and Claire underscore, that's our Instagram. You'll see what Claire and I look like. I'm the one with the brown hair. Claire's the redhead. Uh, I have a taller frame and a leaner frame. That's just my body type. I was born that way. I think I've always been that way. And I'm just that body type that is, I guess you could say is like more athletic naturally. So, um, throughout my whole life, I was active. I was a dancer for a while. I was in cheer. Um, I became a runner in college and grad school and was pretty much active my whole life. But I, we can talk a little bit more at some point, maybe another episode about just the, the body image stuff and how we kind of grow into that. And that can become a problem as we get older too. Well, you know, when we're younger, I think it starts, but as you get older, how you, how we deal with that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that aside, my whole life, I've been very active. Now I was recently diagnosed with Graves disease in November. Um, without going into the long story of that, I was feeling some really odd symptoms. Um, I'd say like the fall, August, September, and then October was when I really was noticing it. Thought it was just stress. But for those who are not familiar with Gray's disease, it is essentially your body is producing so much thyroid hormone um, and your body starts attacking. It sees it as like an intruder and your body starts attacking. So your immune system is really hyped up. Your thyroid is just hyped up and, you know, who knows what really triggers it. I think a lot of stress was triggering it because I had a ton of stressful events happen in October. And so Graves disease, one of the, the negative symptoms is you um, have unexplained weight loss. And so I had lost a significant amount of weight for my body frame. I usually don't fluctuate that much just as a person I don't. Um, and so I have been really struggling with that because I like to be active. Um, Graves disease has really robbed me of doing the activities that I want to do because another symptom is your heart rate. Your resting heart rate is very high. So you can't work out because your heart rate goes out of like off the charts. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing that I noticed right away. I was like, this is really weird. And so that sucks because I can't work out the way I want to, but I've been posting a lot just about my journey with um, how I'm going through working with Graves disease to try to I think kind of reverse it. Mm-hmm. Some would argue that you can't cure it, but I am working with a naturopath. That was my decision. I did not want to go the Western route. And just to be clear, I work for Western medicine, so I don't want to ever bash Western medicine. Uh, we get a lot of, not a lot, but we've gotten some pushback on our show of people being like, why are you bashing Western medicine? I don't, I work for a Western medicine insurance company and healthcare provider. <laughs> so I just want to be clear about that, that I just, for this diagnosis, I didn't want to go the route that was, that was offered to me, which was to do radioactive iodine, which essentially kills your thyroid. And then you have to be on synthetic hormones for the rest of your life. So I was thankfully aware of a naturopath through one of my friends and, um, I've been seeing her since November and I feel a lot better. I have a lot of confidence that we'll reverse that. So the long story of your question, Kylie. <laughs> I'm, they is, need the background though. I do. Yeah. Cause I want to give a background of what this post was about. So a lot of the posts have been around how I'm working through Graves disease and how hard it's been to get back into strength training. I was doing CrossFit pretty right. Reg- I mean, really regularly three times a week before COVID hit. 
And then I took some time off during COVID during the initial quarantine, obviously gyms were closed, but when gyms opened back up, I was still really busy with work, working in healthcare. I was, I just didn't have the schedule I used to, to be able to work out in a gym. And not only that, I was trying to be very, very careful working around patients and limiting my exposure to people period. So coming back from, you know, in November, I went back to the gym. I was like, look, I have to get back into the gym. After I got this Graves disease diagnosis, I knew that I needed to start lifting weights again to get back my strength back. Cause I had lost a lot of muscle, um, just really needed to feel a barbell in my hands. So going back to the gym, I've been posting a lot about what I've been doing and working out and like lifting weights. And some of the comments that started rolling in when we were posting about this was you look great. Um, someone even posted and, and truly everyone means well, um, but it was more like I, you look great or, uh, I wish I had that body. You look very blank, you know, whatever the describing word was, um, or people would say, wow, you've lost all your muscle. Oh my gosh, your shoulders where you're, you know, used to have big, beautiful shoulders, which I take a lot of pride in my shoulders. I love my shoulders. Um, so that those posts that we were kind of doing led us to say, this is really a diagnosis where I am just objectively unhealthy. My blood work is not good. My liver labs are not good. My thyroid is off. My hormones are shot to shit. My cortisol is all over the place, you know? So I have objective blood work or I have an objective view to say my blood work is bad. Looking at me, I may look thin, (laughs) but I'm not healthy. And it's just that reminder of, I understand where people want to equate health with thinness. And that is a really bad thing to get into the habit of. Now, look, diet culture has put us here Mm -hmm. and it's not our fault, but now we know better. So we have to start doing better. Maya Angelou, you know? Yep. And, you know, also, again, to me, I have to own the way that made me feel, right? She didn't make me feel a certain way. We are not in control of how we make people feel. So that's why you're right. We do have to examine why was that a trigger for me, that word big, Mm -hmm. everything you just said, Mm -hmm. like what diet culture has done to us. It's completely conditioned us. And here's the thing I going into kind of therapist mode, I've always told patients is, you know, I'm 43 years old. It's taken me 43 years to accumulate these habits and accumulate me as a person. We can't expect us, ourselves to just drop it like it was nothing. So we have been conditioned and trained and just kind of fed this information that thinness equals good. And I grew up in the grunge era where Kate Moss was like the thing, right. you know, <laughs> Yeah. 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 I mean, I was, I was a nineties high school girl. So I was just like Kate Moss, the grunge era where you were like a tiny person and you wore really baggy clothes and you just like swam in your clothes. And I'm like, I'm not swimming in anything. Like clothes look normal on me. So, you know, it was just like, that's the conditioning I grew up in. I actually remember having a photo of, or not a photo I cut out in a magazine. I also hate magazines, like, sorry, but you know, the 17 magazines, the YM magazine that I had all the, I had all the like the scrip- subscriptions to the magazines when I was young. The only one I think was, did me well was Jane magazine, which was like kind of the grungy, like, you know, 
feminist push against all the status quo magazine. Totally. Um, I do miss Jane magazine, but anyway, <laughs> I had a picture, I cut out a picture of a magazine of uh, Tyra Banks and she had like this cute little sports bra on. I mean, that's when Tyra Banks was like objectively smaller than she is now. Right. Yeah. So she had like, you know, these abs and she was like laughing in the picture. So her abs were like tightened mm -hmm. and she was like leaning over. So you could just see these abs. And I had this, this photo, this, you know, a magazine cut out on the inside of my medicine cabinet. So every time I'd open it, I'd be like, mm -hmm. I want those abs. I remember in cheer when I was, uh, I was a cheerleader in high school. I remember we had to write down our goals. And one of my goals was to lose 15 pounds as a teenager in high school. In high school. I didn't even know what that meant. I remember why writing it down. Nobody questioned it. Nobody. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Nobody questioned. But I think all the other girls were doing something similar. So we were all just like, yeah, you lose 50. I remember writing that as one of my goals. Didn't even know what that meant. Didn't even know how I was going to do it. I never did it because at that point in my life. And for a long time, I'm always the type of person that I'm just like, this is too much work. Like, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I never, diets are stupid. I think I innately knew when I was young that like diets are stupid and yeah. I didn't even know what that meant. I'm just so freaking lazy. I like in a good way. Yeah. I'm like, this just takes too much planning. Like, I just want a donut. Okay. Let's go get donuts. Yeah. And I, I luckily I, 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 so I was in cheer, but I luckily hung out with a group of girls that had like not really issues around food or diets. I mean, we just kind of were like teenage girls that wanted to like find boys, you know? So it was just like, thankfully I kind of had, I, I like was conditioned to think that way, but I didn't really put a lot of action to it until wow. I was in college, which is another story, but yeah. yeah. So I feel like we've just been conditioned so hard and we can't be hard on ourselves. We just have to say, okay, it's, it will take a lot of time to undo what we've learned mm -hmm. you now. So it's okay. It's okay. You just and like really need to be aware of it. Right. And I think it takes you talking about it. I think it takes me talking about it to say it's okay. Like, but now it's time to change it. Yeah. And it's not, you know, we're, we're not like being chased by a wolf here. It's not scary. It's just like, you have to be aware of it. And it's always, always trying to sabotage us. Mm -hmm. So we have to actively be like, oh, that's diet culture trying to sabotage me again. No, thanks. And what is the fear really? Truly, I think we need to admit, we really need to admit that the fear is that we're going to get quote unquote big, mm -hmm. maybe. Is that the fear? Because if we're quote unquote worried about getting quote unquote big, mm -hmm. like, uh, I think we need to kind of reprioritize what big is because big is not bad. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, so like those, those types of thoughts that come into our mind is what are we really trying? What are we really afraid of? And I think a lot of it may not be related to gaining weight or, you know, whatever the, the big label is, mm -hmm. but going out of control. And mm -hmm. I was, I've been there too, or if you, if you have, if you lose any of your strict rigidity around diet culture, if you lose that, you're, you're never going to come out of the deep, dark hole. Sure. So I think letting go of that is very, very scary for people. Oh, absolutely. And we have to learn to trust ourselves, whether it's trusting ourselves around the food or trusting our bodies to respond in a way that's I don't know. Like you said, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> nothing bad will happen. Nothing bad's going to happen. Oh, no. it's really, it's nothing bad is going to happen, and, but it takes a lot of practice. It really does. I don't want to simplify yeah. it in that way. It really takes a little bit of, it takes like daily, daily steps, much like a 12 step program where it's like day by day, you just have to do today or maybe just this minute, you yeah. know? So well, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking this the spectrum too, as is we are what we're really talking about is kind of eating disorders, disordered eating, diet culture, um, body all dysmorphia. of those, yeah. body dysmorphia, all of that can really be. There's there's a lot of there's a long um, spectrum of seriousness with that. So there's you could have you know mild issues mm-hmm. to an acute illness mm-hmm. to where you need like inpatient treatment. So I mean, we could talk hours and hours about that piece, but I think just the general public, as we're talking on this podcast, really just needs to understand that um, it's something that we really need to think strongly about and why we're so fearful of changing our ways. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is hard when it's coming at you from every angle. Mm-hmm. Oh, all the time. And you know, what's hard, Kylie, and I'm sure you see this too, is social media is such a blessing, but it's such a curse. And I think where we need to be more mindful over the years I've noticed is taking control of your feed yep. and following people that make you feel bad. Um, I had to just, I mean, there's some people that I really adore, but mm-hmm. I stopped following them because they were just so diet culture Everything yep. about was about how they looked. Everything was about diets. Everything was about exercise. And I was just like, that's just not for me. I don't want to look at that because that to me, makes reminds me of just like how we're supposed to live and I got better things to focus on right now in my life like I'm past that and so social media can really really be a trigger for a lot of us and I say trigger lightly because I know that there's like certain things that can trigger people but I truly think like you just need to know yourself of what is going to be um, sending you down that downward spiral if you see something on social media So I feel like that's been a horrible thing. People capitalize on diet and exercise plans. And I don't, I could go off about this so much, but if you are not a nutritionist or a dietitian, like I do not want people selling diet plans, you know? So it's like, please stop feeding people misinformation, Mm -hmm. shakes, whatever. Like, it's just, we always want the quick fix and really the quick fix is, a lie. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. The, the quick fix is like the cheap way out. The real fix is the work. The real fix is doing the work for ourselves and looking within. And unfortunately we don't like to do that, but it's the only way to get to where we want to go. Right. It, it starts upstairs. It's not the muscles or any food that you're eating. You know, I, I have to do, I get to do I get to do so much reprogramming of women and yes, it gets, and it's mostly women, some men, it gets really frustrating sometimes, but then I have to pull back and remember, like I've been practicing this stuff for 20 years. So no one, I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I've seen the light, like you like turned a corner Yeah, and that's why we can do this work and share this message. It's been a long road. It's a long road. And the, thing that I've noticed a lot with the Graves disease diagnosis, and I posted about this on one of our Instagram posts is I had a lot of guilt for taking my health for granted Uh. because I was in that place of I'm invincible. I'm the one at the gym that can do the best at the workout, Mm -hmm. you know, type a, I want to beat all the boys. Joy can do anything. She's so strong type of thing. And when I got this diagnosis, it just like floored me, leveled me. I cannot even do close to what I used to do in the gym and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But the guilt that I felt too, for taking my health for granted in the past, I was like, Oh man, I spent way too much time worrying about lifting more weight, eating the right foods. And that's okay. Yeah. But I know better now. And I'm just kind of done with that. It's just, it, we have so much, 
so many more talents than our looks. Then I, I get it's fine to like look good. It's fine to like want to look good. I think that's okay. Absolutely. I love makeup. I love clothes. Like mm-hmm. that is a great way to self-express. And I'm not saying like just sit in sweats all day, although that's also awesome. Yeah. I'm just saying like it's okay to want to look good, but it's just that we have so many better things to that. That should just be like a sliver of the piece of pie of our wholeness. It shouldn't take up 80% of our wholeness, you know? Yep. I know. Take up a small sliver. All right. One of the things we like to ask our clients too is like, what percentage of your daily thoughts is all of this taking up? <laughs> that yeah. would be something to investigate. Yeah. Just investigate it. Just be curious. Just be a little <laughs> investigator for yourself. You don't have to like judge it. You don't have to be worried about it. Don't worry about opening the floodgates. Like it's, it's actually nice on the other side. Yeah. It's really nice. Well, and I think what's something uh, that we should point out, and I've talked about this on other episodes, is like health and thinness are, as you said, not the same. I just want to pull that out Mm -hmm. because I've had similar issues. Uh, Two years ago, I was dealing with all these gut issues. No one would ever be able to tell from the outside. I looked great, but my gut was a mess because I, you know, my gut gets a mess. Um, A lot of stress, a lot of other things. So I was not healthy. You looked amazing. Great. You're not healthy. Yeah. 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 I think that's really a good point is health and thinness is not mutually exclusive. And I'm not a medical doctor, but I I think there's a lot of doctors out there that would, can speak more eloquently just about how the health markers, what your health markers need to be to quote unquote, be healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think that Claire and I've talked quite often about like what being healthy means, yeah. <laughs> like being healthy, you know, I think that also can come with some stigma and it, we don't need to go too, you know, strict about every single saying, I don't want to like bash every single word that comes in the health realm. But I also think that we just need to be critical thinkers. We need to start thinking more critically about what we've been fed. Oh, that's great. I got to write that down. Be critical yeah. thinkers. Everyone yeah. Write- that's kind of been my mission in the past year. I think we've really lost the ability to critically think about a lot of things. What we take in social media, just because it's in a pretty picture doesn't mean it's the truth. So think critically about all the things that you see in front of your face. Mm-hmm. Almost like if you're in college and they teach you to think critically about, you know, philosophy or whatever it is that you're reading, like, how can you interpret this? And there's so many different interpretations. I think we lose that art. I think it's such a beautiful art that we need to, to bring back, back to, back to that practice within social media or the articles we read. Are you reading multiple articles? Are you just taking this one article from one random person and taking that as Bible? So I think that that's another thing that I don't like to see in the social media realm is everyone's an expert, Mm -hmm. um, or, or labeling themselves as such when they don't have the credentials to back it up. And I think that that really frustrates me. So I try to also educate whatever article you read, like go, get more articles, 10 more about that same topic, mm-hmm. and then critically think almost like you're doing a lit review Yes, <laughs> before you make a decision. Cause this is your life and you get to s- decide, you know, don't let one article influence your entire belief. Mm-hmm. And I think in order to think critically, we have to get out of this place of desperation because I can hear people when they'll message me and they'll ask me questions and I can hear the desperation in their voice. And when you're desperate, you're going to grasp at anything that you think is going to work for you. You're not going to take the time to read that other article and that other article. So I think it's important that we allow ourselves to slow down and move into that critical part thinking of our brain 
so that you can make the best decision for yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to take the ownership of it. That goes back to also cleaning up your feed, like really own it because it is your life and you have the ability to make it whatever you want. And guess what? I don't care how many years I've been on social media. I have never seen, I've never missed one post that changed my life. <laughs> like you don't, you're not missing anything. I promise you I've done it. I've done the research, the unofficial social media looking out for you. I've never missed a post that I'm like, oh my God, my life would have been changed by that post. Never. You're going to be okay. You don't, it's FOMO. We have this FOMO thing that if we're not looking at like every single thing, we're going to like miss out. It's yeah. And I want to take one thing too, about what you said about um, desperation. When you are in a place of desperation, I guarantee you the answer is never going to work for you. You have to be in a place of content, but wanting help in order to get the right answers. Desperation is going to lead you to make some bad decisions. Yep. Oh, thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. You know, let's talk about the nineties one more time. Because I love the nineties. I love the nineties. I love the eighties too, but I was like, I was a teenager for the most of the nineties. Right. You, yes. You and I are on the same page. Mm-hmm. So, so two things. Number one, speaking of like our models was friends. Friends was in the nineties. Late friends 90s. was in the, in the mid, yeah. Mid to late nineties. Yeah. Well, we have been watching friends because I never watched it growing up. Oh, wow. I was a Seinfeld person. Oh, okay. And, um, our son now is out of cartoon phase and can watch real people shows. Friends is, we, we think it's fine for him. Totally. Yeah. So I'm watching um, Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox. I'm like, oh my gosh, why are you so skinny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not that there's wrong with skinny, but the body types that were popular back then, I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that, because th- I'm glad you brought that up because I remember Jennifer Aniston was like my quote unquote, I hate saying quote unquote, but let's just stop that was my goal. Yes. And she, you know, you could tell like the first episodes, they all kind of just look like, I don't know, regular themselves size. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you could tell like the pressure of media, just, they all shrunk into smaller people, smaller versions of themselves, mm-hmm. which we don't know by looking at them, if they were all just I don't know, working out more, eating good food, who knows? Like we can judge that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that became an ideal and you, that was kind of also the time when like Oprah was doing a lot of shows about what are you eating? What are you exercising? What's the secret? Like, what is everyone doing? And Jennifer Aniston advertised the zone diet and she was always doing the elliptical. And so everyone was like on the elliptical doing the zone diet. I, I, you know, here's another reason why I never got into the diet stuff is I bought the zone diet. Cause I was like, cool. Jennifer Aniston is doing it. And I never did it. I bought the book. I can't put anything into practice with diets. I get so, I just get so overwhelmed. So I'm like, ah, this sounds good, but whatever. And uh, yeah, like Kate Moss, all of the like George Michael models that were in like that freedom video, like that was a really big, you know, all the Cindy Crawford, Naomi Campbell, uh, Helena Christensen, all of those supermodels. It was like the supermodel era as well. Yes. So um, I, I think we can't be hard on ourselves because that's just how it was too. Like the eighties was like a big diet culture boom. Mm-hmm. And then we were kind of like the aftermath of that too. Luckily I grew up with a mother that never really got into diet. So like, I never really was around that culture. I was around it in high school, but not at home, thankfully. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting. The friends thing that you bring up. Cause I'm like, yeah, I just remember them being so 
and again, it's hard to like sit back and not be a hypocrite about like labeling a body, but they were just objectively smaller versions of themselves to where you look at that. And when you're steeped in a diet culture, you want that for yourself too. Yes. Like shrinking yourself is, I don't know, you're better, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, and I know you read the Jessica Simpson book or did Claire read it? I read it. So I did too. And I was surprised by how much I love it. I loved it. I thought it was so good. I actually went on this like binge bender whenever I do, whenever I'm like done with a book and I just don't want it to be over, I will start Googling everything about them. So I was Googling all these songs. And then I got into like John Mayer songs and then, oh yeah, I was just like, oh my God listen to John Mayer. If he comes on, like I have him, one of his songs in one of my yoga playlists, I'm like, skip. Yeah. Cause he's, you're like, he's a bad dude. Yeah. Like, uh, man, I love that book, but yeah. So she was put through the, if y'all are not familiar, you got to read this Jessica Simpson book because it's great. She was a, she was fine. She was great the way that she was, but of course her manager, also Mariah Carey's manager told her she had to lose weight. And so she did all these terrible, horrible things that so many of people have done to try and look a certain way. And it really messed her up. And it's like, we just, it's hard. We have to do the work. (laughs) It's really difficult. And it's really difficult. And it's really hard for people to understand that the smaller you are, does not mean the happier you are. I don't think we'll ever really understand that. I don't think we really will. Cause like, I, I probably at this point in my life have like the, the, or lowest weight, I guess you could say that I've ever been, I'm not any happier. I'm actually happier when I'm, uh, like the same size, but I guess carry more weight Mm -hmm. because I can do more and that's just where my body needs to be. And I think that I, we are, we do ourselves a disservice for our minds to control the body size because the body is going to be the the size that it needs to be to stay healthy or to keep running how it needs to run. Mm -hmm. Claire and I've talked about this too. Like the body, your body size is always going to fight for homeostasis. So if you start starving yourself, it's going to be like, but you know, like we need to like turn on all the sirens. We need to like get, we're starving. So your body, it's like you, we will be in a fight to the death if we continue to do that diet culture cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care what it is. Like I really am all anti-diet with everything. It's fine to like want to cut out objectively bad foods in your diet. You know, like right now I have to cut out dairy and processed sugar for it's a naturopath that I'm working with, but there's a medical reason behind it. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that because I'm like, well, that's fine. Like I don't really need dairy in my life and processed sugar is not the greatest for you. Like it's fine to eat. I'm not going to, you know, never eat cake again, but I'm just finding alternatives. Right. But I think that we have to stop that cycle of being like the end of the road is going to be a pot of gold with this diet. Never. It never will be. No. And that's fine. Like, let's just be okay with that answer and then like live our happy lives. I know. And I'm sure it's probably hard for someone to let's say you live in a larger body and you are striving for a smaller body and you're like, what's easy for y'all to say, but it is the truth. Like I understand maybe that's hard to hear coming from. Yeah. And that's, uh, then we can also go into thin privilege, right? Like that's a huge thing. And I have a, a good friend who, um, was like clinically obese, not just like the label obese. And she lost about a hundred pounds and she, she's like, man, I didn't really understand 
the label of thin pr- privilege until I lost all that weight of like how differently I was treated. And I'm sure a lot of people listening, if you've been through a similar, similar journey mm-hmm. can uh, attest to that or say something similar to that. And I think that that's another thing to just critically think about in society of how we treat people in bigger bodies, mm-hmm. how we look at that, how we label that, how we, you know, back to the beginning, how we label big as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's really, I don't think it's ever going to go away. That's the thing. We just have to be smarter beings around that information that's coming out at us. We have to be armed. We have to be ready for it. It's never going to go away. There's always going to be that one person's like, I got the new diet and the diet books sell. It's a huge moneymaker in this country, in this world. So we just have to be, we have to be the smart consumers and not fall for that crap. Again, that ownership. And we haven't said the P word yet. The patriarchy. (laughs) For real. Yeah. I mean, where are these messages coming from? Mm -hmm. Yep. I know. Sure. Yeah. My critical thinking says. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like keeping us smaller, keeping us focused on other crap when we could be changing the world. Yet we're sitting here spending all our money and time on diet and exercise. Like, no, let's go like bash the patriarchy. Yeah. That's a way better way. And do you feel like in your personal evolution, are you feeling that like where this maybe once was a focus, you feel like you are able to now step into your larger purpose in life? I don't know. Just tell me about your, your, your flow through all of this. Yeah. I would say my awareness is stronger. I will always be looking at it and observing it and thinking about it because it's always going to be coming at us. That doesn't mean when I see an exercise or a celebrity, celebrity doing this diet or whatever that I'm like, I wonder what that is, but I don't fall down the rabbit hole. I look at it. I observe it. I think about it. And then I go, Oh, my knowledge up to this point in my life has said that that never leads to anything good. So I'm just going to keep moving on with my life. So it doesn't consume me. I, I, can, I can't say that I'm like this perfect human around it because I don't think anyone is. I think we all can just be better around how we consume it and what we do with it. Yeah. Um, and right now where I'm at is my, my health with my diagnosis is my top priority of making sure that I am listening to my body when it's hungry and I'm feeding it however much I need to feed uh, to when I'm full. So I think that there's a lot of work I've done around intuitive eating, which if people are not familiar with Evelyn Tribol, um, I think it's Tribole. Anyway, her, her Instagram is Evelyn Tribole. It's T-R-I-B-L, I'm sorry, T-R-I-B-O-L-E. Uh-huh. And she wrote the intuitive eating book. She co-authored it. And any interview you can listen to with Evelyn is life-changing. Mm. It is may take you two or three listens to really understand what she's saying, especially if you're new to the intuitive eating philosophy. Um, But it is life-changing if you can really wrap your head around what that means. It doesn't mean you just, eating intuitively, intuitively is not what you think it is. And I think that that's something that I've learned a lot over the years to kind of undo all of what the diet culture has done to me. I'm evolving. I'm continuing to get this stronger. I think it's just like a muscle that I have to practice every day where, you know, having Graves disease, I've had to really eat more and be actively eating more, which is very counterintuitive to what I've done my whole life, which is try to eat less and try to be diet focused and, you know, 
the less calories, all that crap. Uh-huh. So now it's in this weird way, Graves disease gave me this blessing of really trying to focus on healing my body, eating more, you know, not going all out on exercise, just being present with my body, being understand too. my naturopath says this all the time is like your body bodies are the most amazing machines. They can do miracles. They can heal your, she's, she's so cute. She says, the second you start listening to your body, the second your body knows that you're listening, mm-hmm. it won't shut up. Yep. It will start talking and talking and talking and telling you what it needs. And I can tell you from experience, that is very true. Like since I took, taken out the dairy, I experiencing, I'm starting to notice these symptoms. She's like, it's like peeling an onion. Like once you start noticing mm-hmm. one thing, you start noticing another thing. And it just like the body knows what to do to heal itself. So I think it will always be in the back of our minds because we're females in this world. And I don't think that's ever going to go away. I, you know, I like to be active. I love being active. So that's always a priority to me. It just, it makes me feel good. But now I think it's important for us to realize that we should not be ever. Another thing I hate, I hate is diet and exercise being a transaction oh. that you have to eat to oh. work out, to eat or eat, to work out. Yes. And like I work out for wine or I work out for donuts and like, that's just, yeah, it's just that type of thing is I work out right now because I feel really good. Yeah. I, this morning when I was having breakfast, I was like, oh, don't ever think that you have to like work this off. Like, just remember that joy. I wasn't thinking that, but I just like had that thought of like, oh, just remember that that never should be a thing. Okay. Okay. You know? Well, and what I love, I can educate people on how your metabolism actually works. And that. That education piece, if you will listen to me and like have what I have to say, you will see those workouts literally are not burning off that wine that you are drinking because of other reasons anyway, which is another thing we need to talk about later. Right, right, right. Like just work out because it makes you feel good, but never, if you start to get in that cycle of food, then exercise, then food, then burn off, then food, then burn off. That is just, that's just, it's it's a big road to nowhere. So like just work out for a reason that makes you feel good and then eat what makes you feel good as well. Mm-hmm. And people that, I mean, that's another loaded conversation because some people are like, but what if I open a bag of cookies? I just never want to stop. It's like, that's another conversation we need to have. Exactly. And maybe we need to like, you know, I've always wanted to have Evelyn on our podcast and that's something I, I need to get going because I could listen to her for hours, oh hours and hours and hours. Wow. And the one that I want to recommend the most, let me see. Yeah. I think it's Sam Harris's podcast. Um, Sam Harris's 10%. No, Dan Harris. Sorry. I was, oh, I was mixed up with Sam and Dan. Dan Harris, 10% happier with Evelyn Tribble. That episode, mind-blowing. Okay. I've listened to it so many times. On it's it. so good. Yeah. I'm going to walk today listening to so it. So good. It's so good. Well, and also as women, um, I had this woman, Dr. Jordan, on talking about pleasure. And for women to experience pleasure, we have to know what we like and what we want. We are so out of touch with what we like, what we want, with yeah. what our bodies are saying. Totally. Um, so this is, it's also a bigger conversation, like quieting, getting out of this the distraction away, no social media, really tuning in. What do I like? What do I want? What do I need? Mm-hmm. No one can tell you. Mm-mm. You have to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And all of this stuff too is stealing our pleasure from us, stealing our joy from us. Yep. Um, it is. It's taking up so much time and 
the other thing I thought about when you were saying that is how much we want others. We want to be other people. We want to have that body. We want to, and I think that that's another thing Claire and I have talked about a lot in the past is my shoulders will always be this wide, right? I can't make my shoulders smaller. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, but like, if you know, my stomach will always be this way, Mm -hmm. I will always carry a certain amount of like, I guess, body fat on my stomach. And mm-hmm. that's just how I am. So yeah. no matter how, like the, the only the time only I had, I a, had six, a six, Ooh, sorry, I got, I got feedback. Um, the only time I had a six pack was when I was doing macro counting to an extreme level that yeah. was unsustainable, very unhealthy. Yeah. And so I think about that now I'm like, Oh, if I see someone with like rock hard abs, that's just not my genetics. I will never Ooh. have that. I will never have that. And that's okay. I don't need that. I've realized I've gone down that journey. It's not worth it to me to sit there and count every freaking macro that goes in my mouth. And so those are the things too, that we talk about is like your body is your body and it will do what it wants to do. Like you can't stop it from storing fat in this area or that area. No, like let it do its thing. Okay. And appreciate (laughs) smart. Yes. Appreciate your body. Cause I'll get that too. Cause I do have the stomach thing. Like uh-huh. that's not where I hold fat. Even in when I'm on, like in my heavier weight, I still have like abs and, Oh, I wish I had like, this is my gen. This is my mom. It's genetics. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. passed her stuff down to me. That's not so great, but yeah. this I'm grateful for this. Yeah. And yeah. accepting the other parts. Yeah. yeah. I get that on my shoulders and my arms. Everyone's like, I love your shoulders. I love your arms. I'm like, that's my dad. It's my genetics. I have my dad's shoulders. I could lift like 10 pounds weights and get like huge muscles. Cause that's just like how I, that's how I carry it. Like that's, so I think the, the point of that is really, really appreciating your body. We are in this instance, we are special snowflakes. We all yeah. are so different. Like we have to understand that the Jillian Michaels videos or like oh. whatever, whatever videos that you want to watch are or whatever goal you have of a celebrity body is never, it's never going to be attainable. I'm so over Jillian. <laughs> I think a lot of people are. I used to listen to her podcast religiously, like back when she was back when we, like before we started a podcast, I used yeah. to listen to her podcast all the time. Oh, oh, does she know what she's talking about? You know, I think she's, I think she does in some aspects. Um, I also think that she's, I don't know how much, like, I feel like she's one of those people that she has the same answer for the same things all the time. Yeah. So I don't know if she's like evolved much, but I was like, are you saying this just to uh, what she said recently about protein? I don't know if you heard it and how no, you should I didn't. too much. And oh, I got really fired up. And yeah. She said a lot of crap about CrossFitters recently or CrossFit well, and that, yeah. that got them all riled up too. Oh my gosh. Like, are you just saying this to like get traction maybe probably believe this yeah like, i know probably yeah. on some level she just she's funny she's a interesting oh, bless her. i mean listen she was on a show for years that was the most popular show on television called biggest loser where they took people who were overweight and tried to make them thin again like that's uh gave people i watched that so religiously too by the way oh i did too i remember that i remember it would make me cry because people would just like all these emotions would come out of them yes and i mean i guess in that environment it's going to bring a lot of emotions out of people because you're like putting them in this situation where they have to work out all the time eat all the eat differently like that's going to bring up a lot of emotions for people because food and exercise is not just an objective thing like it's going to bring a lot of things up 
Mm-hmm. And then they like unleash them back into their homes. And then a lot of people just like didn't do well after that. It's just like, no, oh, you guys uh, can find there's a study done, the biggest loser study. Um, and that's to our point. This is why diets don't work from a physiological standpoint. Diets do not work. We're not talking about that today, but your body will rebel. It always will seek that homeostasis. Always. Yep. Always. always Can't fight science. Yeah, you cannot, you can't fight your body. Your body is, don't think that you're smarter than your body. You are not smarter than your body. Your body is so freaking smart. And I know this for sure. Yes. And also to your point, you are a special snowflake. What works for me may not work for joy and vice versa. Mm -hmm. That's why, again, you have to get quiet and curious and tune in. And seek good experts, like seek good experts. Don't think that you can do things on your own. Ask for help. If you're struggling, a lot of people, I have a registered dietitian friend who will get a lot of questions from people who are like, yeah, but how can I not eat this? Or how can I stop? I, I binge this, or I can't, I can't stop myself from eating this or whatever the case may be. And I think that that's where we, you then need to start talking to a diet or a, um, a therapist, yes. an eating disorder specialist. And not to say that you have to have a clinical diagnosis of an eating disorder, but truly those are things that can lead down that path. If you don't get, if you don't intervene soon. Mm-hmm. My, my last guest, she's a somatic nutritional counselor and getting, she said, get curious like a million times in the podcast. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I binging on this? What do I really need? And it's hard to navigate that on your own. It really is. And you can't ask yourself the right questions unless mm-hmm. you've been led down that path, I think somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I'm going to yeah, go ahead, please. Oh no, I was just going to say the last thing is really exposure. I mean, it really is exposure to, and if you are working with a professional, just exposing yourself to the fear of perhaps not having that rigidity practice and practice and practice. So maybe it is letting go for a day of counting calories or whatever it is that you're doing Um, or even an hour. And I think that that exposure, getting more used to not doing it Mm -hmm. is really going to help. Again, because you can trust your body to tell you what it needs or what it doesn't need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, so why haven't you had Evelyn on yet? If you just not asked her yet, I have not asked her yet. Okay. Cause, um, I was like looking back at your podcast and you've had amazing guests. Mm-hmm. Lisa, yeah. you say Lisa's last name, Bill, you Lisa, Bill, you, mm-hmm. yeah. Ben Pikulski, I went through a phase where I was obsessed with Ben Pikulski. He's So he was so nice. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like the reason I'm obsessed with him is because, um, he talks, he's more spiritual in the space. Mm-hmm. Like I love to lift weights, but I'm also spiritual. So how can I blend the two? And I feel like he bridges that gap along with Emily yeah. Strong, who's been on your show. Yep. I'm like, She's oh my God. She's had. so great. And Heidi Powell. Yep. What? Yeah. Yeah. Do you just ask them? Yeah. We just ask them. Yeah. Yeah. We just email them or DM them. We usually kind of, we actually have a lawyer that she will sometimes reach out to like their agent, mm-hmm. um, and get it set up. And, um, yeah, like we've had Bob Harper on when he, he wrote one of his books. Oh yeah. Speaking was, of biggest loser. Yeah. And he was just amazing. It was like after his heart attack. And so he talked a lot about that. Um, yeah, we've, we've been blessed to be able to talk to some really amazing people. Evelyn, I don't know why I haven't asked yet. I think sometimes I get really nervous to ask people to be on the show, but she, if you listen to her show or any of her interviews, 
you just like Google her name in Apple podcast. She'll come up with all these interviews she's done. She has the best spirit, the best laugh. Her personality is just like so bubbly, so personable. So I, I know she would be, this will be like the impetus for me to, to email her today to get her on the show. Hey, well, I mean, thank goodness you and Claire are using your voice. Like we need you. We got to get this stuff out there. Yeah, and that's why sure I love do. your evolution. You have something more to talk about and mm-hmm. I'm here for it. I'm going to keep listening. Yay. <laughs> we're going to keep podcasting. We just probably won't stop until we're 70. <gasps> why would you? <laughs> it's so good. Congratulations on your success with this. Thank you so much. It was really good to be on your show today. Oh my gosh, thanks. I'm going to put links to everything that we talked about in the show notes so people can get all this goodness and take control and be critical thinkers. This is wonderful. Thank you so much. Take control. Of course. Thank you, Kylie. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye.